All right, well, um, we might as well, yeah, crack on. Um, we're probably just going to start talking about basketball. So. Okay. Yeah, like you, like you sent and like everyone ever sends, like... Uh, like you've got nothing interesting to say and why would anyone listen that's really not the point <laughs> i'm afraid that's really not what we're about sure. um so yeah I, I was gonna just talk to you about your love of basketball and travel and all that stuff and cool. books and all that cool stuff and probably like 45 minutes and we'll bugger off sounds great <laughs> Episode 118. Wow. Uh, and I'm talking to Lisa Batum, or Lisa Batum, right? That's the correct way to pronounce? It, the yeah. French pronunciation? Yeah, it, it is since the, the rise of Nicolas Batum. The rise. How is his yeah, rise it's, going? It's not, it's not really a rise. He sort of has a rise every season. He, I, We're already alienating people, but that's all right. Wiggins will like it. <laughs> I actually really, um, I really want to meet. Wiggins at some point. It's very strange to me that I've gotten to know this person purely through a, a basketball-related yeah. group chat. And yeah, absolutely. I, I have no idea what this person's actually like. In, you know, it it in would flesh. be a seamless conversation of just what <laughs> basketball stuff do you know and let's talk about it forever. <laughs> um, I, Nick Batum's time in Charlotte like really upset me. Yeah. Because I just... I think it upset him too, didn't it? It was painful just to watch someone who had so much potential just do nothing he really and flamed out nothing and i thought I, I thought it was done he thought it was done yeah. um and it's been as much as i hate the clippers and boy do i hate the clippers <laughs> um it's actually been really nice to see that his career's not over and he, he can contribute because i um like him him entering the nba coincided with me getting invested in right so i NBA. never i don't think i've asked you like how you got into the into the NBA. So I've always liked basketball. I was always yeah. really into to, into basketball. So I watched a lot of the Opals around the um, like Michelle Tim's mm-hmm. um, sort of era. Yeah. Um, got quite invested in basketball, but NBA getting access yes. to the NBA was always a complication. Absolutely. Um, and I was so I was in like middle of primary school in the mid nineties when suddenly you could buy. NBA gear yeah. and it, it was the thing. Sure I was. remember my brother um my brother picked the Charlotte Hornets probably just because he liked the um yeah, the, the logo. That's right. The, the colors. Hornets but were also, a big team. My my older brother was always he's always been quite short. Mm. Um and I think Muggsy Bogues Muggsy Bogues <laughs> really yeah. yeah really appealed to him. So I I knew Muggsy Bogues and I knew Alonzo Mourning. Um and and at some point in 1994 I I think I requested a Chicago Bulls cap myself yeah. and wore it for a few years in primary school without having any idea about the significance of it. Um, and then didn't really think very much about the NBA just because I didn't have access to it. Right. Um, so watched a lot of basketball, watched a lot of Australian basketball on TV yeah. um, and started going to Canberra Capitals games um, towards the end of LJ's right. sort of first run with the Caps. And um, I started uh, teaching... Uh, in 2008 and became friends with um, another first year teacher at um, Gold Creek School and he was a big basketball fan yeah. and we went Steve? to no this is uh, Matt okay. the other Matt who's into basketball which is right. very confusing for the people that I I'm know back. yeah we need to sort um, that out also I don't think you've met there's Matty no. K and Matty B yeah. and you're both teachers and you both love basketball and I'm not actually sure the two of you have met are we the same person 
No. <laughs> Are you super Greek? Am I super Greek? What a great question. <laughs> I think we've got a title. <laughs> um, so he and I went to um, quite a lot of Caps games in that era and he had access to NBA games. Right. And so I started watching NBA with him yeah. and um, I have always been... I don't understand those people who are really into a team sport but don't pick a team. Yeah. That is... I don't get it. I don't I don't get it. I found that there's quite a lot of um, guys probably between the range of your age and my age who um, are like that because they fell in love with basketball yeah. during MJ's... Yeah. I, you know what? <laughs> Spend all our time talking about Wiggins, but he doesn't really have a team. He just likes Luca at the moment, so he just watches. Am a lot I allowed of Dallas. to swear on your podcast? Yeah, of course. What the fuck, Wiggins? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't get it. No, and me I, either. I mean, I now he's Golden State Wiggins, but he refuses to acknowledge that. You know, why not go for the player that has your name? I just, um, <laughs> I, I, I just to maximize my investment, I have to have. Yeah. I have to have someone that I'm behind, someone that I'm barracking. I and also, particularly like the NBA is such a gigantic league mm. that I actually um, I marvel at the degree to which a lot of people are across everything that's happening. Yeah, I can't do that. I can't do that. I have to focus my attention. On one, so on I have Portland. like a general idea of what's mm-hmm. happening, but if I'm yeah. really getting into the details, it's with one team and it's with the Portland Trailblazers. So I I don't like my for myself like I. I it's my personality that I'm obsessive. So I don't I've never been as into basketball as I had been have been the last I want to say 6 7 years. So it's because I, you have more people to engage with over I it? I don't think so. I think basketball is the best sport that has worked out how to sell its content. So I I've always had a kept an eye on it. And, you know, being a Golden State fan and not, not having any success and just being like, where are they? Oh, bottom again? Okay, whatever. <laughs> um, and just, I always was aware, you could ask me, like, who won the title every year and I would know, but I wasn't really, I have a look at the standings, but I wasn't really into it. But I reckon around 2015, 2016, they started to work out that you could have the content, so you could have the games, but you could also have podcasts. And that was the main thing. So I've been listening to right, podcasts so it was how since... how you consumed it. Yeah, and I've been listening to podcasts since 2010, around about. Yeah. And... See, I just love watching And then games. someone was like, you need to listen to... It was a Bill Simmons podcast, yeah, yeah. and it was, you know... Oh, he talks about sports, but it's also movies. Yeah. And he was really into basketball. And then his podcast network had a lot of basketball podcasting and so i started to listen to that and then that made me keep it keep track of all the games and then all of a sudden i found out like oh i'll just watch nearly every game's nine minutes of hot highlights because it's all on youtube oh, so they were see, the first one to do, even do that thing. i would i would rather watch yeah. one game yeah it's in, in its entirety Absolutely. than watch the highlights and there's just there's too much to yes. be across so if i'm just going to watch one game for each team true. Then, then I'm just gonna watch the Seattle Storm. I'm just gonna watch the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. I just I, and when there's a really good matchup or an interesting game elsewhere, then or you know the Blazers aren't playing. It's a Someone Saturday. Will say, and I'm check this the house out. And I'm yeah, have, put it on. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it on. But yeah. I, I just always marvel at those um, people who are across all of it because there's just there's just so much going on 
every day in the yeah. season that I just can't be. I have to focus. Yeah, on one energies. team. And th- there's also the idea that, you know, I would never do this. Uh, but if you had a, a VPN and you could find the cheapest country for NBA League Pass. And so if you could do that, which I would never do. I certainly um, don't know anybody who, um, no, who, who would, would do, do that. that. Um, and then you could watch a whole season for like $60 instead of whatever, $200. I can't believe that would even occur no, to anyone. So you're better off just watching the highlights on YouTube. Um, but I have found like even having like a KO membership, do a lot of like spruiking for companies I hate. Um, they have a lot more games. Yeah. And so I found maybe the last season I have actually watched more full games than than the highlights of every game. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think the people around my age who grew up in that era of the 90s, I th- you know, you had MJ, but the Bulls were, were so good. They were. So you couldn't go for them because... No, I think everybody did. But they and did. Because nobody, nobody will ever be yeah. that good or that... I, I actually think for a lot of um, those people about that age, it's also... There's also a really important sense of nostalgia mm-hmm. that's linked to it, and not, because nothing will match up no. to it. There's, I know a lot of people who never really picked a team, no, because the '95 Bulls are still are not still. Yeah, but you could have. That was the thing. Like you didn't want, you couldn't watch games, but what you, what you could get were VHS. Yeah. Of unbeatable, yeah. unbelievable. Um, whatever the other ones were, and you could watch the, the season. They went for like an hour or an hour and a half, and you could just watch the seasons over yeah. and over and over. Like the the '92 finals against Portland, no offense, um, where MJ hit those six threes. I know what the people watching did yeah. when he made those shots because <laughs> that's burned you, into my brain. Seen I've so seen times. it so many times. <laughs> so I, I think. Once yeah, that whereas era I, I ended, wasn't. I was I was in primary school and I I wasn't invested. I yeah, didn't, I, I didn't know what was going on. And and I've like I've since you know obviously spent a fair amount of time looking into like the history of, yeah. of the league. Um, but I so I I had to I had to pick a team, you know, to focus my energies. Um, but don't you find people was, pick players now? I, I think people pick players now. Yeah. I um, I. I I'm, I'm not really like that. And I'll, I'll give you the example. So um, it was, uh, so it's got to be about. I'm going to challenge you when you, whatever you It's got to be about 2008, 2009. I can't remember the exact dates, but there were a couple of reasons. Um, so I loved grudge music music growing mm-hmm. up. So the Pacific Northwest <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. a particular appeal. Supersonic style, you mean? Um, and, and then... Paddy Mills yeah. got drafted to yeah. the Blazers. He only played there one season, but that's mm. where he went first. And it was it was exactly at that time. I was picking a team. Paddy Mills was from Canberra. He yeah. got drafted. And my surname's really unusual. Yeah. I've never met anybody um, who has my surname who I'm not related to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it actually got changed. Huh. So, um, yeah. So my uh, father's parents... Mm-hmm emigrated from Ukraine yeah. um, post-World War II. They couldn't go home. Stalin would kill them. Um, and they managed to get on a boat to Australia and emigrate to Australia. But my grandfather was too old for the program. And he managed yeah. to sneak on in. Yeah. I think this is the story. I might have, I might have mixed it up, but this is the story I tell. Um, so the name was originally Batun with an huh. N. 
Right. And they wrote it down wrong. Oh, okay. I was going to say that's not much of a change. No, but they wrote it down wrong and he didn't draw any attention to it because he knew he wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. And so he... Wow. It it got changed. Um, But it means that I... It's a very unusual surname. I've never encountered anybody who has that surname. And then in about 2008, this French basketballer Mysterious Frenchman turns up. Nicolas Batu... And so my my brother um, is quite prominent in his field of work and he has... um, like Google alerts set up yeah. for his name to see if anyone's mentioning him online in terms of the work that he does. And I remember that there was a period where he actually had to like, it kept hitting, it, like he, it had worked for quite a while because we had such an unusual name and then, yeah. and then he, just kept, kept getting Nick he had Batum. to exclude Nicholas Batum from um, any hits because uh, of that. So um, I just, I just really enjoy the fact that there was yeah. someone out there that had my name um, and that was it. Yeah. That was that was it. But then, um, so and I also so I started following them, and um, the more that I read about the team, um, so their sort of greatest success was under Dr. Jack, and mm-hmm. um, his like fundamental ethos is that the the team that actually plays really really well together is yeah. better than the team of superstars that don't play together, and huh. I that really appeals to me. Seems to like carry over in schoolwork, you would imagine, yep. right? Being teachers, so, yeah, or any line of work, you would say. Absolutely, I just think that's. I think that's a great approach. Super team. So that's what we call that. It's a super team. There were a lot. There was that part of it. I, you know, I, I don't like going for the, the obvious team. They're, they've always been kind of underdogs. They're small market teams. They have yeah. trouble attracting like yeah, huge superstars, which is strange. It's a nice place um, to live. Well, Portland's Portland's a strange little town. <laughs> right, I, I right, love right. it to bits, but it's also a bit odd. Um, it's very rainy. Yeah. Um, so I just, it just made sense. And I, um, do you just like very attached? Do you like visiting you? I know you've been there a couple of times. Yeah. I've been, I've been, um, twice. Yeah. yeah. So I've made two trips over. Um, and so Paul, my older brother wasn't living in America when, um, I started following this particular basketball team, yeah. but very conveniently a few years later, he moved to Seattle. Um, so it means that if I'm visiting my brother in the States, then Portland's not far away. Yeah. Um, so I've been over twice. My, my younger, younger brother and I planned a trip together. <laughs> We're going to meet in New York just before Christmas, have a week in New York, fly cross country Christmas with my, right, yeah. um, Christmas with my older brother. And then, and we go to basketball games. Um, and we had it all planned and we had it all booked but that was December 2011, Jeez. which means lockout. Right, so there was no season. So there was no, no season. Jeez. So we'd booked Brutal. our we'd booked our flights and we had our window, and there was no season. And I'm like, I'm gonna go all the way to America and not no, get no to basketball. an NBA game. Oh, so yeah. thankfully, just before we left, um, the lockout ended, yeah, and we managed to get to two preseason games. Right. Or was it one preseason and one real game? I can't remember, but it was the very beginning of the season. And it certainly um, didn't feel... Yeah, it's not the same, is it? it? No, I, no I actually, as somebody who mm. never participated in American sports, yeah. it was it was an amazing spectacle. Oh, really? In fact, it was almost bigger because they because it was preseason. So happy to... They were doing, making such a big deal about the, the crowd being there that there were like right. giveaways all over the place. Mm. And, um, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge didn't play the whole game the first the first game that we went to but it was um no it was really great yeah. it was 
absolutely wonderful. So that was 2011. And then I went back um, December 2019 mm-hmm. um, and caught three three games in four nights, which yeah, is one probably of the, um, the happiest that I'll ever be. One of the games was you were fairly close, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, we had some, some good seats. Um, the, the, the Warriors game... Yeah. Um, those tickets were quite expensive because um, everyone wanted to see Steph and then Steph got injured. horribly injured and Clay was already injured and it yeah, ended up not injured. being a very good game and we had very expensive nosebleed seats, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other games, we were quite a bit closer. So one was against Orlando and one was against um, Minnesota, I believe. Was the Minnesota game, did something cool happen in that one? I'm trying to remember. Wasn't there, was there a fight? I don't think so. There was something cool. Maybe it was a close game. Did it there go was to a, overtime? One of them was like an 80s tribute night. And um, that was the day that I we went to hit up the, the team gear right, store. Right, right, right. Yes. And there was this very, very tall man in the store looking at Christmas sweaters. That's right. And he asked me for advice on which... Portland Trailblazer themed Christmas sweater he should buy and I what a great question I gave that advice and um and he he left and the guy behind the counter was like you know that was an ex-player right and I'm like yeah I do but I'm not across what the team looked like in the 80s and I I don't know who it was um and I can't remember his name Michael something but he played he played two seasons in the 80s he wasn't a particularly prominent player but what a weird thing I helped him pick a Christmas Christmas Portland thing Christmas sweater what a great idea it's a cool it's a cool thing to be able to say yeah it's um that the thing of like like I again I got in you know fair weather fan of the Warriors, the reason really I came back to paying more attention to them was similar to you was that um, Bogut, Andrew Bogut, yeah. start, started playing for the Warriors in 2013, I think. And then that was right. like, oh, yep, cool. That's the Warriors are my team. Finally, someone I can actually pay attention to, not paying attention to the little guy running around shooting threes all the time. Um, and it's, it's one of my great regrets is I wish I was as much into basketball uh in 2006 as i am now when we're in japan with my brother and we went he came over to visit and we went to hiroshima and did the peace park and all that but the world championships were on in japan at the time and there were four basketball teams staying at our hotel the German team, the Spanish team, the Angolan team, and the New Zealand team. And wow. I, uh, you know, met Dirk Nowitzki and Marc Gasol and Paul Gasol. And Wait a second, did you say you met Dirk? Mm-hmm. And I just was like... And you had no idea of the significance of that? No, and I was like... How have you never told me this story? <laughs> I'm sure I... I don't think you have. So all these people were getting off a bus, and I was like, these people are very tall. And then someone was like, oh, it's the World Championships of the basketball stuff. And I was like... Huh, I, I think I know that, that guy, that's Dirk Nowitzki or whatever, and he was very tall. And, and then you would see you get in the elevator and you'd be the shortest person in... I would be the shortest person by, like, a foot <laughs> at least. And, you know, like, you'd be like, huh, oh, yeah, that's... That is wild. Pa- 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 and again, like, there was, the social media wasn't an aspect. So you yeah, can imagine was, if I was, like, taking time. selfies with all these people going, who's this and who did, uh, yeah, who did okay. I meet? And, oh, I'm going down to the bar and... Oh hi, hello everyone. Hi, where are you from? Oh, you're from. Oh, you're from Angola. That's I once, cool. Um, I once stood next to Lauren Jackson in the Tilly's toilet in the bathroom, <laughs> yeah. and um, just lost my shit. Yeah, of course. 
Like, not outwardly. I'm sure I wouldn't have coped. stood there really quietly and just looked up at her. But internally, it was like, you're an Amazon. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, I'll never forget. Probably at the time, I didn't even... I might not have even known that's Dirk Nowitzki. But I always remember it because he is still, to this day, the tallest person I've ever seen in my entire (laughs) life. And he was pretty thin, I I guess, 2006. (laughs) And yeah, it was like, oh, yeah, there's all these people. How funny. And you're like, oh, yeah, I met him. I met, oh, yeah. I, I really... There's probably I, like five, 15 other people where I'm like, I, I met really, them and I couldn't even... I really want to meet Nick Batum. Yeah. Because I feel like oh he's God, probably he's probably lived his life yeah. not meeting anybody with his surname. If anyone out there knows Nick Batum, get I in just, contact. <laughs> I just want to like whip out my driver's license and be like, look. Yeah. I mean, it's going to go one or two ways. He's going to be like, whoa, that's cool. Come here and get a photo. Look, this person has the same name. Or that's somebody so please weird. get this crazy lady or away from Or me. they'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I'm from France. Every, it's like very common. And you're like, oh, yeah, maybe it is. I haven't thought about that. But yeah, I'm from Australia. There's no one with this surname. Yep. Wow. I want to just go back. Your, your ancestry is from the Ukraine? Yeah. Oh, man, how's that going? Yeah, I mean, we're, so we're pretty disconnected from it. Um, so dad's parents um, never went back. Right. Um, they were... My dad's the youngest of three. Mm. Um, so they were always quite old. Um, and I was in primary right. school when my grandfather on that side passed away. Um, yeah, they... It, I didn't have a close relationship with them um, as a yeah. child because... They had limited English, right. and then the older they got, the more they lost um, the English. So my right. um, my grandmother lived quite a long life, but um, there was a, a pretty big chunk that I wasn't really able to communicate with her. Um, there were a couple of a couple of summers that we we spent enough time there that I started picking up a couple of words, but then yeah. it was never. So your dad was never like. He never he, had he carried never, on anything. Or like was no, it? No, I think I think I vaguely remember a point where. We learnt to count to 10 in right. Ukrainian, but it just, it never stuck. Yeah. Um, it was never something that we worked hard at. Yeah. Um, and dad, I think dad's probably lost a lot of it as well because, yeah. he, you know, both of my grandparents are dead now, so he doesn't speak it anymore. Um, and I know that he, he would hear some stories um, growing up and I know that he, he asked his parents about some of those stories later in their life and and there's a few there that he's he knows and um at one point there was a it's like an immigration project hmm. an online database of immigrant stories and right. he, he spoke to my my grandmother about um about oh, that right. and there's a there's a there's a story somewhere on the internet about my about grandmother's the... immigration story right um i think my my grandfather i think there was some pretty um horrific experiences involving cossacks and hmm. um he I, I, I don't know that my dad ever got the full story and I think he probably feels like there was more of a story that he wished that he'd managed to get. Right. Um, but yeah, we've always been a bit um, distance mm. from it. We certainly, I'm sure that there are people in Ukraine that I am um, right. related to in some way, Yeah. but no one ever went back. Um, and in fact, my, my grandmother's attitude was just, just get out of Europe. Just get out and go as far as you can and never go back. Right. To the point that when I... Um, I was going to ask this, yeah. So when I was 18, I went on a gap year. Mm-hmm. Finished year 12, got a job in a boarding school in England, went to England. Um, what was it called? The boarding school? Uh-huh. Mayfield. 
Yeah. That's fair enough. The village was Mayfield. I still live in Mayfield in Newcastle. Saint, okay. St. Leonard's. St. Leonard's Mayfield was right. the school. Yeah. Um, and I, like, I was, I finished year 12. I wanted to leave Canberra for a little while before I came back and went to university. And I, um, I was really into the, um, like, alternative British music at the time. I felt like Camden Town was mm-hmm. the holy land. Yeah. And that's where I wanted to go. <laughs> so yeah. I picked a gap year that would allow me to visit Camden. <laughs> So and what, it was the first thing that I did the first day what, that I was in London. What year was this? 2003. Yeah. We never crossed paths because I remember, I think, there, I think we had this conversation where we worked out that, well, we could have been in Camden same Town time. at the same time. Probably. 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 Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Broke Australians. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, um, so I just, I remember my parents telling me that when they told my grandmother right. that I was going to England yep. for a year, her reaction was like, why is she doing that? Why would she do that? You don't you don't go to mm-hmm. Europe. You don't you don't go over there. That's that's terrible. And this was two thousand and three. Um, yeah. And I, you know, they were never. I don't think they were big readers. I don't think they would be consumers of news. Um, and I I feel like maybe there was something about my grandmother's kind of existence that was just in stasis. And well, I, you know what I, it's it's hard I guess to understand it. But we had the exact same experience with Jazz's mum mum with Jazz's nan when we went to japan and she was like why are you going to japan the exact the exact same reaction yeah like, why would you go to japan she was like this is still the country that like yeah tried to bomb us like yeah. and we're like yeah that's 60 years ago but i guess if you're i think if you, you know young that era, and, and it's it's, it's hard happening. to yeah, it's, it's and your propaganda is all do not trust them, and yeah. this is what they're like, and this is the way they act, and yeah, absolutely. You can, and then I guess yeah, it was the same kind of thing. So it was the exact. She had the exact same sounds like the exact same reaction of like, yeah, like why would you go over there? That yeah. makes no sense. My um my dad did toy with the idea of actually going and visiting Ukraine and, and going to see some of the places that his parents were from. Yeah. Um, but and this was quite a while ago. This was probably about ten years ago. Um, but. You know the travel advice wasn't great, and no. my mum ended up saying, "I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm, I'll, I'll wait for you somewhere else if you're going to do this." And I, I just, it never, it never came to fruition, um, yeah. and mm. and it won't. No, um, no. And so we're quite disconnected from that aspect of the family history. Yeah. So, I just want to double back on your gap year. Yeah. So you went to England. I did. For how long? How long were you over there? Just uh, a year. From the Fourth of January yep. until about a week before Christmas. Right, it's nice. Have a great time. Um, did you do as much travelling around Europe as you hoped? Did a Kentucky. Oh, nice. Yes. Did a month long Kentucky. Oh, wow, whereabouts? Uh, just everywhere. Mm-hmm. So. Um, the love of month long Kentucky. Yeah. Um, leaving, leaving London, and Paris, French Riviera, Paris countryside, yep. like wineries. They pop you on drinking. Uh, yeah, yeah. They give you a picnic basket and yeah. give you a big bottle of red, and off, off you march up the hill to eat a lot of cheese. Um, the the it was like this big house in the country, um, and it actually had a like a bomb shelter in the right. basement that they'd turned into a nightclub. <laughs> like not a nightclub, but like yeah, like oh, I know, yeah. a Kentucky stop. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, they called it the bunker. Right. Um, yeah, French, French Riviera, Riviera, Monaco, um, uh, Florence. Wow. 
uh, Venice across to Corfu for four nights, mm-hmm. so the very edge of the Greek islands. Um, so Rome, Venice, uh, uh, went through Austria and Switzerland. Um, yeah, I, and you know what? I was, um, so I was mostly, the gap year was mostly about getting to England yeah. and exploring London for me. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, oh, I should probably do Europe in the summer and, um, picked this Kentucky tour, but I didn't actually really, um, research it very much. No. I was just like, no, this will be cool. And then I remember like one of the, I was just along for the ride. This it's sounds just great. very familiar it to was my great. experience. And, was like, didn't really plan much. And... One of the, oh, there was something, something that we were visiting and the, the guy who was in charge of the tour and said something. I was like, Oh, what, what are we doing? And he's like, did you even read the itinerary? No, like that. that's the whole point. I actually, um, actually went on it on my own. Right. So I was living in a, um, so the boarding school that I was working at yeah. would always bring a group of Australian gaps across. Hmm. Um, there were six girls living in the flat, myself included. Wow. And when we hit the summer, um, because four of them actually went to school together. Right. Um, in fact, <laughs> the only way I, so this boarding school had a pre-existing rela- relationship with a certain Catholic school in Canberra. Hmm. And every year they would just um, right. say to the year 12 graduates, does anyone want to do a gap year? And the volunteers would send off a resume and they'd pick some. Mm. In the meantime, I decided I was at a public school and I decided I wanted to do a gap year. And I was madly writing letters to every boarding school in England asking yeah. if they had any positions. Wow. Um, that year, the Catholic school only had four volunteers and they wanted six gaps. Right. And literally the only reason I got... And this, you know, that year ended up being like an absolute defining experience in my life. Absolutely, if I yeah. hadn't gone over there when I was 18 and made the friends that I had, I wouldn't have been back visiting those friends right. in my mid-20s and I wouldn't have met Jason, mm. my, my partner. I, you know, it, it changed the course of my life and I literally only got that job opportunity yeah. because only four girls from Maruchi wanted to go. Yeah. And public wow. school me didn't have like a convenient way in. Like I wanted that work. It wasn't an afterthought. Yeah. I I was looking at becoming a teacher and I thought, but I wanted, I didn't want to go straight to university. And right. I thought if I do a year working with teenagers, that'll give me an idea of becoming a secondary school teacher is the right plan for me. Yeah. So I like, I really wanted that job and I only got it because they looked at my application and they're like, oh, she's from Canberra. The rest of the Marucci girls from Canberra. Done. Done. Yeah. And I, it always stood out to me as a real, like, you know, lack of opportunity issue yeah, because absolutely. they just had it handed to them. Yeah. And but not enough of them were bothered to fill out a form yeah, to go over there just, for a year. I just got lucky. Mm. Um, so it's, because it's, it's, they were friends, because yeah. they had a pre-existing relationship, they all went on Kentucky together. Yeah. Which I remember thinking at the time was completely bonkers because we were already living together. Yeah, <laughs> God, like... I, I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> but they like thought I was bonkers. Four weeks. With... For going on my own. Yeah. I didn't know But you anyone. don't go on your own. Well, no. That's what happens and with it Kentucky. Was, um, it was actually really... I remember thinking in the middle of it that I could just be a different person every day. Because yeah. each new, you know, incredibly important European city that we were in, yeah. I'd do a quick whip around in the morning and find out what people were doing and whoever was doing what I wanted to do, I'd be like, oh, can I come? They're like, yeah, sure. And I could just be a completely different person 
each day Absolutely. for 28 days. Fantastic. <laughs> and it was, um, it was, I was good. I, I was talking to our year 12s uh, this week about that, about uh, the freedom of youth and opportunity and, and the choices you make that you look back on and you're like, oh, that was fun. It's one of the things that, that freedom. Um, I think is the saddest part of COVID. Yes. Is particularly, I'm sure you've thought this because we've spent a pretty big chunk of our professional careers working with years 10, 11 and 12, those yeah. moments when the world opens up to you yeah. and, um, and pathways can't. become yeah. possible. And and I, I think about... Um, I think about the way in which the opportunities that I took at that age yeah. had very real impacts on the rest of my life. But I, I can tell you, like, the the first time I felt any hope about moving out of COVID, which, as you know, as we all know, hope, come, no, no, not quite yet. Hope, not quite yet. But I ran into, actually, a, the Violet's Year 3 teacher I taught her daughter a few years ago and we were at the at a pub just jazz and i and we saw them and i said hello and they asked about violet and then i asked about their daughter and she said oh i'm going over i'm going over to europe for a year and i was like oh and it just gave me like the oh good like yeah, people can do that people can do that good they should everyone should and i was like oh that's so awesome yeah. and and her mum was like i don't know if she'll come back i'm like yeah i know i get that I said i went overseas for like four years basically and as i said to the students never once did i think i wonder if this makes my parents sad and never never occurred to me before i had kids that that would just never be an option but as i said to them like when you get the opportunity to travel it's so good to have less of a plan than you think because now if i travel with my family i have to it's going to have to be planned yeah and that's like great but it's also when when and i explained to them like i did five weeks in europe where all right we're going to spend two days in turkey but See, the people we met in turkey were like no 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 don't go there yet. You've got to go down the south of Turkey. I've, okay, and then we. I've never been that that that's never been me. Yeah. Like I like I'm 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 quite well travelled, and I, I did some of that travel quite young. Yeah, but it was still very planned. I was, yeah, but, I was never fly by the seat of my pants. But even time. even to the level of like you said, waking up each day and going where where what are you doing today? Like yeah. even at that level, I guess that was the appeal of. The I can't con- do that with that the family. Was the appeal of Imagine the if I took them to. To a fan and I woke up in the morning and they were like, "What are we doing?" Like, I don't know. I Let's don't know. see what happens. <laughs> like that, just you can't do that. Yeah. Like that's where the that's what adventure is when you're young. Is like, oh, like, yeah. It's as the end as, of the day and you're like, "Well, that was a day." As long as someone else is working out how I'm getting from yeah. place to place, and yeah. make sure I don't miss out the the, the having stuff. like bus stop <laughs> times and times for buses and things and yeah. trains. That's important, but the the rest of it is just like. Like you said, I, I, the idea of just saying, what are you doing? No, I don't want to do that. What are you doing? Oh, yeah, I'll yeah. do that. That was That's how we traveled, basically, yeah. was just we ran into people and they were like, no, no, you have to go down the south of Turkey. It's beautiful. And we're like, oh, okay. And we went down there and we're like, yeah, sure is. And, you know, we had, oh, we want to go to Italy. Oh, this is compressing our yeah. Italy. Oh, well, whatever. We're going to go to Greece. Uh, go to Athens. We don't really like Athens. All right, we're moving. We're going, we'll go somewhere else. And, <laughs> and so it was just like that level of of travel is you know it'll it'll come back but yeah i guess i mean young people still 
they're traveling because yeah, the risk I just, to them is I, like whatever. Yeah, I just think that for some people who already have an idea about what they're going to do and what they're going to study, yeah. that they potentially had a window there yes. and COVID engulfed that window. And I just, um, mm. you know, because I, I think I, like I knew I had four years of university ahead yeah. of me. That so was I the same, yeah. I, I probably, yeah, if but something I, had happened to knock out the gap year, I don't know whether or not I would have, yeah. Like I certainly would have had, wouldn't have right. had the same experience that I did have. And that's probably true. I did the reverse. I waited till like I graduated uni, and then my goal was I thought if I can just work for a year and save money, and then that was my my gap year was going to be my year after teaching, mm. which I again was warned off like at university. They're like, no, no, no. Like you want to work work for three years and get your whatever it was, teaching certificate in New South Wales. Yep. Um, and so then you can come back and work permanently. And I was like, I am young and you're, this is stupid. I'm <laughs> like, three years, that's so long. So I, that was my plan was to do a year and then bugger off. And yep. I got, again, a lot of it comes down to luck is I got a job and it was only for eight months and I was going to leave at the end of the year. And then my brother said, I'm getting married in August of next year. And I was like, oh, I was going to be overseas. And then the school I was at was like, can you please do two more terms? And I was like, yes, I can. <laughs> and that took me to June. And so I stayed and that just became easier. But it's a lot of it, like you said, a lot of it is luck. Yep. Of just the experiences of it. Getting a teaching job in England when I went over, I, I didn't really have a plan. Maybe I'll travel, maybe. I'll, and then my mate who'd gone over there a month earlier rang me and when I was still in Australia and said, uh, the English teacher's left. Well, one of the English teachers has left here. Do you want a job? I don't know what you're doing. Do you want a job? And I was like, sure. And then they rang me and that wasn't a good sign because they rang at four in the morning and I was like, <laughs> it's four o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah, right, time difference. All right, we'll call you tomorrow. And then the next day they rang me at three in the morning. And I was like, <laughs> no, the other way, please. And so, um, yeah, that, a lot of it came down to luck of just getting over there anyway. And then once you're over there, you have Kentucky. But what else? What what else about that year in England? You said it was like formative. Yeah, I was pretty um, uh, introverted at school, I guess. I like I wasn't particularly outgoing. Mm. Um, I was fairly reserved. Yeah. Um, and I just uh, I just came back a slightly different person. I think just much more confident. Yeah. Um, probably just that that experience of the world. You just kind of carry with you, and you just know a bit more. Yeah, um, yeah. I it gave me a, a a bit of a more of an idea of what's out there, and um, I had some some pretty great experiences. I um, did some dumb shit. Yeah, I was gonna say. You, you yeah. Look back, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> probably the. So I also didn't. I, like, I'm sure I thought at the time that it was probably fairly stressful for my parents but mm. I don't think I put a lot of thought into that but I remember my mum saying years after the fact that she barely slept for the first month that I was gone and and I think about that now I'm I'm not a parent but mm. I like I can I can imagine I don't I don't know how any parent does deal with that I and this was you know before yeah. um mobile phones with internet right, access yeah. we, we had to we go to internet phone cafe cards. And... we used phone cards to yeah. call home and we had like a set time that my parents would call they they bought phone cards here to make the long distance calls cheaper and we had a set time and yeah. we had to go we had to go across to the teacher's staff room to use the computers there to use our to access our internet right, so it was right. just just a completely yeah like really quite 
detached and separated. Well, I mean, when I was in Turkey, there was a massive earthquake. In when I was on a boat, so for, we were on a boat for three days. I had the worst food poisoning of my life on a boat. Oh, God. Um, so I've got very, I look very thin in the photos yeah. afterwards. Um, but there was an earthquake, I think, in Ankara, and um, yeah, I we had no idea we were on a boat, so we didn't even know that was happening. Yeah, and we got off the boat and we're traveling around, and then we finally got to a place where they had the internet, and I went check my emails, and there were like twelve emails. And all from my parents, like just checking in, checking in. We're not quite sure where you were, and it was like, oh yeah, I'm fine. But oh, that parents. was like three three days where they hadn't they hadn't heard from me for a long time yeah. before that. But like how, yeah, no, with yeah, none I, of that I, access, I it was know. just like I don't know how they how they deal with it. Yeah, um, and in my I, mind, it was they were overreacting because I was like, well, where that would be like you, where you <laughs> live there was an earthquake in Adelaide yeah. and me ringing you and they saying are you okay and they were like yeah, but we don't they know don't where know. you are you haven't told us where you, you just say I'm in you Turkey you were flying by the city of Pants. Turkey it's great <laughs> yeah I um probably the dumbest thing I did is uh so I really wanted to go to Reading Music Festival yeah the year that I was there um but the lineup wasn't fantastic like I didn't have anyone to camp with no. so I just got a day ticket I went one day um I was I was obsessed with placebo. They were just like absolute obsession of my life. Like I, you know, I think most of the reason I wanted to do a gap year in England was, was because, placebo. You because, might have run into, you know, in, in 1998 and 1999, I'd just become hardcore obsessed with that band. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they released sleeping with ghosts that year yeah. and I saw them twice. I saw them, they did a little um, pre album release tour of really small, um, really small concert venues, like tiny concert venues yeah. for a band that were as big as they were at the time. Um, I actually, I bought a tour shirt from um, the Brighton show. So it was this tiny little club on the Brighton seafront called the Concord 2. Great venue. Yeah. And I bought a tour shirt from it. When they, they did, they actually came to Canberra a few years ago and did like a big anniversary tour. And I actually wore that wow, shirt because cool. it's the dates on the back. So it was like Sleeping with Ghosts pre-album tour. And there were like five dates, like three in England and two in France. And that was it. It was like a, wow. so that's, it's, it's Sure, it's in terrible condition, but <laughs> um, so I, I saw them. Um, I saw them down in Brighton. I went down for the night for that, um, and that was right at the era that they released. So they released "Sleeping with Ghosts" with a covers album as mm. well, like as the second disc, and that yeah. was when they did their yeah, running, running up, up that hill, hill yeah. cover. So that was that got me pretty deep into Kate Bush for a period of time. Which Absolutely, I've just um, I've just watched the entirety of. Stranger Things season four so in the space that's... of about a week and a half. And I've just had that so like constantly, yeah. but, but um, what a banger. Um, so I, I picked one day of Reading Music yeah. Festival to go to and I was just broke at yeah. the time. We were, it's so all of the schools over there are registered as charities. So what they could do is they could pull the Australian gaps over on um, right. charity workers visas, wow. which doesn't count as your working holiday visa. No. So you go over for a year on a charity workers visa and the school provides you with food and accommodation and £65 a week, which is nothing. £65 a week? That was my salary. Holy so shit. I was broke. Um, so I'd done some research about the train schedule right and i was sure i was getting <laughs> yeah. back into london at about 2 a.m 
And the first train down to Tunbridge Wells was like 5 a.m. And I'm like, I'm not going to pay for a night in a yeah, London sounds, hostel for that. sounds very familiar. But then, but then when I got to the train station after Reading, like there wasn't a train until, you know, 7 a.m. or something like that. So I spent, I spent a night in King's Cross. Not King's Cross. Which one was it? Oh, Paddington I was I can't remember I spent a night in the London train station just wandering um, about and, and oh, I just kind of found myself a step and um, and, you know we didn't have smartphones to keep ourselves entertained no um, and I look back on that I'm like that was that was a dumb fucking thing to do Lisa yeah. and I remember calling um, I remember my mum calling the next day and being like how was the festival I was like oh it's amazing it was so great and she's like oh that's that's really good. What did you end up doing about like staying overnight in London? And and I said to him like, I'm okay. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. You I'll don't want me first. to answer that question. Yeah, and she's yeah, right. like, okay. I'm like, I'm home safe. I'm home safe, mum. At least it was, it was in summer, right? It was. Middle yeah. of summer. And we, I did the same thing in Scotland for New Year's. It's like, That's we'll just incredibly stay, dumb. We'll just stay up all night because it's New Year's. And of then course. we're like, everything shuts at yeah. one o'clock because it's winter. For some reason, we're like, but it's New Year's. In Sydney, everything would stay open. They're like, sorry, no. And then, yeah, we were like, when's the first train? Six. I would just go to the train station. Oh, no, the shutters are down. (laughs) What are we going to do? Just wander about. Oh, it's drizzling. Great. (laughs) It's just the worst. The best, best of the best of times, worst of times was that night. But yeah, wow. Yeah. So it's all those experiences, isn't it? Yeah. And then you came back and you did your teaching degree. Yep. Boring, maybe boring question. But never a boring answer. Like, why? Why teaching? What? When or when did you? When did you think about seriously becoming a teacher? Um, I I had a really amazing English teacher in high school. Yeah. Um, she she must have had a decent amount of clout in the faculty that she worked in because I was a pretty good class we were a bright bunch of kids and she taught us for three years running wow at her in year eight year nine year ten that's good and i just really i think i just feel myself getting better in that subject mm-hmm. area that's that's and, that's a overlooked idea we don't yeah. really talk about that much of i was very aware yeah of the fact that i felt like she was a very good teacher and that i was um really i became mm. really good at english over that period of time yeah um and i by the time i was in year 10 I was like, I think, I think this is what I want to do. Sometimes um, part of me is afraid that I fell into it through a lack of creativity because it's the, it's the profession that you have the most exposure to. Yes, that's, that's right? right. It's the yes. job that you see people doing yeah. the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes I worry that, <laughs> that's a great way to that I it. just panicked and picked what I saw. Yeah. <laughs> What's a good job? Oh, that one. But I, um, I think I, I thought I would be good at it. And yeah. I think there's aspects of it that I'm very good at. Um, and I wouldn't want to sit at a desk no um so i like the fact that like even on our worst days when everything goes wrong we're still doing something good yeah we're still there's still a little bit of progress that's happening with a few kids i remember the very worst of our days i remember reading candide voltaire's candide yeah there's a line in that which is but it's a very oft debated quote because it can, because the character of Candide is like this eternal optimist, but all this horrible shit happens around him, and it's like you don't, you have to look at what's around you. You stop, it affects the people anyway. Um, but the line is, if we, at, if we don't meet with agreeable things, at least it'll be different. 
And that's what I always find with teaching. You never get bored. It is never the same. It's never boring. No. I mean, it can be, and you meet teachers where you're like, why is this boring? I I don't think, I don't, I don't think I'm ever bored. No. I'm never clock watching. I mean, sorry, no, sometimes when you've got a long line. But I know what you mean. But, but the days, the days always tend to go quickly. Yeah. And it's just, it's different. It's Mm. different every day. The classes, the classes you get are different. The kids that you get are different. Um, and it just doesn't. It's not boring. It's constantly and evolving. It's really, and it's really purposeful. Yeah. It's, um, it's important work and it's uh, like fundamentally ethically good work. Do you find too you get a lot of positivity and positive feedback from your students? I know you do because I know students make connections. Certainly a college, the, the, your students make strong connections with you. Um, in terms of like literature and study and things like that. Um, but do you find you get that affirmation back from the students? Um, sometimes. Yeah? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes not so much. I actually cultivate it. <laughs> like I lean on them pretty heavily, especially at the end of the year, especially with the year 12s. I'm like, hey, year 12s. Remember when you used to buy presents for your teachers? I know you're all feeling nostalgic right now. You should buy presents for your, for your teachers. And they're like, well, what do you want? I'm like, I don't want anything. Write something. Yeah. And I, I have a box at home. Yeah. Of, um, and that's what I tell them. Your teachers, Christmas cards. Teachers who get stuff from their students. Mm. You can buy us a present. You know, students have bought me vodka in the past, but I haven't encouraged <laughs> that. Um, one year they bought a bottle of vodka. Like they left class because it was the night school class. And they were like, what do you, oh, what alcohol do you do? I used to love vodka. And they were like, teaching those all right, we'll have classes. a lunch, like dinner break. And then they came back with a brown paper bag. <laughs> and it was salted caramel vodka <laughs> with unicorn tears. That's and it was like completely up your alley. Gold leaf. And I was like, thank you. And it was terrible, and I don't know where it ended. I think I took it to one of those, take it to a party and leave it there. Someone's like, who the fuck bought this? <laughs> but it's. Uh, but I always tell the students, like, your teachers, if you write them anything, yeah. they will keep that. If, they, if you buy them a chocolate or whatever, then yeah, they'll eat I, it. They'll I, eat it and it's gone. But The uh, um, the, the cards that, that there's actually a bit of a, yeah. a spiel in there, mm-hmm. they go straight into a, a, a particular box and yeah. I'll come across it periodically and yeah when I had COVID that was have a nice look through to it. go whoa, whoa I go through my box and, and it's, and it's there for any time that I'm thinking about being like fuck this I'm out yeah and I'll I'll go through it at that point um the <laughs> other the other thing that really like it's all it's it's always nice when um when th- there is a real sort of like I, I appreciate you know what you've done and it's made a difference it's, mm-hmm. it's a really rewarding feeling yeah um i had two students a few years ago who both uh bought me copies of their favorite books as a christmas present and that's, that's really cool that's just just the most incredible thing i could possibly yeah ever ask for and some of them have um you know the comments that they've written they've They've actually articulated something in particular that I've done that I, I wasn't necessarily that aware of. Yeah. Um, I, I've got one from a few years ago from a student who said that um, that I was an advocate for her when she had no idea that she needed one and that it had made a huge difference. Mm. And that, that might be one of the proudest moments of my teaching career because I just think that's a yeah. that's an incredible thing for her to say and I don't even know i was just 
Yeah, like it, was I, just, it was just a Tuesday. It was just what I was doing. Yeah, exactly. I, I, it was not something that I was, I was necessarily conscious of, of really doing, you yeah. know, after the fact. But um, it was one of those moments where it's, it's part of whatever you've done in that week. Yeah. And then you actually have a sense of how important that was months after the fact. Yeah. And, and you hadn't really had any idea. And it reminds you that the work that we do is really important. Yeah, and it also reminds you that some of the things that you that you do they might not have that immediate impact yeah and it might be a year later or two years later yeah or, or you've run into them and some of them you know like i'm old enough now where you know i, I i'm starting more and more to be teaching with yeah. those students yeah my first year of teaching i um tore a kid to shreds over plagiarism yeah just utterly destroyed him and um, yeah. And I got an email from him a year later, and they'd all submitted their first college assignment. Yeah. And like five of them had been done for plagiarism. Right. And he was like, "I just want to thank you, because I was so scared." Yeah. After I've been what you destroyed. you did to me all right. that I didn't even think about it, and I'm passing this class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have. There's a student that yeah I taught who. Uh, I had in year 11 and then in year 12 she would get me to proofread her essays mm. uh, and I was like yeah you have a teacher and she was like yeah I know but uh, I don't she was like what did she say I, I don't no it's not I don't this it's not going to sound polite but it is nice that uh, you don't give a shit about feedback or like protecting my feelings yeah. from feedback and I was like oh and I was like really and she said yeah the first essay you handed back and made me cry and I was like Oh, sorry I made you cry. I didn't I didn't she was like, Yeah, it was really harsh. I thought it was so mean and I was like, What did I say? And you're like, I don't know, that it was just not good enough <laughs> basically it wasn't good enough, uh, that I had a lot of work to do and I was used to getting A's and I was yeah. like, oh, I'm so sorry and she was like, No, it's good. It's, it's it was well, I love necessary. that she recognised that. I but wish I, was I like, wish more of them recognised that I was like, I don't want to make people cry. That's not it's <laughs> not part of my job. I know, but that that get crushed and bounce back is Oh, it's so crucial, and I, I wish I wish we could teach them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's hard, especially when they... It is hard, because you don't want to... You don't want to constantly be like... Yeah. You don't want to be like, hey, you're great, and actually they're garbage, and not set them up for success. Yeah. Um, when they're, like, not great, but if they work hard, they can be great. Like, yeah. Yeah, and it's... it's I don't know. We're rambling on about teaching here, but it's... it's, it's if you can get a student to articulate what help they need yeah. rather than be like this is how you write a good essay because that's not usually helpful what they say i mean some of them some, some of them, need them that. Uh, most of them do but i mean like when they come to you and they go i need help and you mm. when you get down to it and they say look i have all these good ideas but i yeah when i write it on paper it just turns to shit what do i do there and then you have to go well what are your ideas and then when they tell you like that's not a good idea. <laughs> or, that is a good idea, but what, let's extend it further and further and further and get to that point where they can see that improvement. It's, yeah. uh, it's hard because, I mean, I'm an English teacher and my, my, I was talking to mum about it fairly recently and I was like, you know, I didn't really like English that much or I didn't really <laughs> do well in English until year 12. And she was like, no, you, were, you always got A's in English. And I was like, Really? Yeah, and I was like, oh, in my mind, it, mm. it, I, I must have been getting A's but not really connecting because it was only year 12. Or enjoying it. 
or enjoying it. And then, but once you get that little idea of like, oh, a bit of success, you can get that snowball effect really quickly. And, and, but that's, we don't have time or the care or like, it's hard to give that to that. Once you get that little push to be like, wow, all right, look, here you go. And then it kind of freaks the students out because they start to get like epiphanies Mm. a lot. You know, when those students, where they just get overwhelmed by that. I mean, but, I, you know, it is tough, but also those are the easy ones. Yeah, they it's are the ones who just ones. don't care. Yeah. That it's like, I... Yeah, what do you got for them? I, I just can't, I can't force you to learn. No. You have to take some part in this. Oh. So were you always able to, were you, a, were you self-motivated as a student? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I was. I was always pretty academically driven and... Um, I think there was my my older brother was he's academically quite strong as well, um, and so is my younger brother actually. Um, but obviously, my older brother went through before me, and I felt the need to prove that I was as good as he was. Right, I don't know right, right. why. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, siblings do that, mm. and then yeah, it's it's yeah, always interesting. I, I would like to find more teachers who weren't good students, but it's not, there's not many. It's there's often a lot who are like oh no no i was i was a good student you're like does that help yeah no, I, 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 I think i work with one who says she wasn't a particularly yeah. good student not the one who was your student no 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 she was a good uh, student. another one but i think they do exist yeah, yeah. it's interesting that's uh, i want to hear more from them the students who weren't good students yeah. who then go i'm gonna go be a teacher, teacher. Yeah. that must be weird all right well we are wrapping it up Thank you so much. It's been great. No problem. We've got plenty more to talk to you about, by the way. Thanks for inviting me. That's right. And that's it.